make them say, ah, oh. all right, I'm going to stop right there, TJ. That's all I'm going to do. Before we get started with DFS MVP this week, week number two coming up. Is that a little Master P? Yeah, man, that's a that's a classic right there, Master P. It was actually the we didn't have any Master P on the Spotify uh, playlist. I always go through and check to see what to add, and I'm always surprised when I don't have something like this because we have almost 80 songs on there now. So now we got Master P. Make them say uh from the '97 album Ghetto D. Uh, so that's that's a nice little addition to the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Make sure you check that out if you haven't. I'm always tweeting it out after we uh, announce the podcast on Twitter, but you can go on our podcast page on 444 and find a link to that Spotify playlist as well. All right, let's do this here. As uh, we got the playlist, we got the week two plays coming up in just a couple of minutes. Also, how to process your week one results. And for those of you that had a number, a target to hit in mind, because throughout the years, basically 125, 130, is the cash line in FanDuel. It ain't there anymore. I mean, like I tell you, it's a, it was in the mid-160s in a lot of the cash games that yeah. I was in, in FanDuel. And I don't expect it to be in the mid-160s every week. But now that there's a flex instead of a kicker, the number is going to be a little higher than it was in the past. Yeah, it was, it, was across, it was across both sides. But we'll definitely get into uh, how and why that happened and what to expect going forward because it was definitely an anomaly. All right, and then I guess a lot of our, our listeners, our subs at 444.com, having big paydays. Yeah, they, yeah, they won big. So DFS MVP promo code, 25% off the DFS MVP sub package by putting in DFS MVP. That's it, DFS MVP, and you get 25% off your subscription. Just how many people are hitting you up saying, I won, I won, thank you very much, because the information was just tremendous. It it was a really good week one, and I have a a curse in week one, so it was nice to get off to a good start. Uh, I, I had a pretty nice day, and I had a lot of subs hit me up on Twitter and tell me that they did well as well. So that's always rewarding. I mean, it it sounds like lip service, but when when it's Sunday, uh, sometimes no matter how much money I have on the line, I'm I'm sweating the guys that that I wrote up as much as uh, my actual lineup. So it's nice to see those do well. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, also, rate and review T-shirt giveaway. Leave a five-star review. Be automatically entered to win a T-shirt, a four-for-four T-shirt, which I still have not gotten from the boss yet, so I'm a little disappointed about that. <laughs> Josh Moore, if you're <laughs> listening, leave your T-shirts, man. Oh, the listeners are getting them. That's the most important thing. Who won this week? Uh, this week, the winner was Rezma, R-E-Z-M-A, Called us an audio cheat code, so nice. I appreciate that. That's a really nice review. Uh, shoot me a message on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and I'll hook you up with the details on how to get that shirt. And if you guys want a shirt, make sure you uh, go on iTunes, leave a five-star review, uh, and you will automatically be entered. And while you're on iTunes, do me another favor. Go on the app store and search 4 for 4, and we have a League Sync app on there, which basically... Uh, takes your league you could sync it up and then if you are a pro or a dfs uh, what it does is it just scours the waiver wire for you and tells you the top ranked players available uh and it's nice to have on mobile because it's something that i already had to use it today because the way my process goes is i work really hard on dfs so waiver wires are relatively easy to figure out the problem is i get so busy i have to set an alarm to hit my deadline today i was getting some food waivers lock in 10 minutes i'm like 
oh man, I'm not at, I'm not at my uh, desktop where I usually do all my work, but the league sync app is nice. Cause it's hard to do waivers on mobile. You have to jump around from window to window on look at rankings, look who's available on your waiver wire, put in bids. Uh, but the league sync app makes it easy. So check that out. Just by the way, I'm, I'm totally in on this now because today I was getting a, a milkshake and I had, I was trying to make an ad drop. It was an IDP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an IDP league too. So I could, I could have waited till later on tonight, had the kid in one hand, the phone, the milkshake in another, the, the kid and the milkshake got together. The phone, I mean, it's just a disaster. So you might as well do it. It makes your life a lot easier. Just do That's it. what happened to me today. My our 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 waivers lock at eleven fifty nine, and and I was out getting food, and I get my one hour notice, and I'm like, oh man, I, I how did I forget already? It's week yep. two, uh, but the app was was nice. It syncs up with uh, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, and my fantasy league, and even if you aren't a four for four sub yet, get a seven day free trial. You can sign up on the app and you'll still get access to uh, the 44 website. You can use the same login info. So it's a, it's a really cool tool that, that I already started using this week. Yep. Melvin Ingram. I need a new shirt after I got milkshake (laughs) all over. So have a big week for me in IDP in my season long, but this is all about DFS here. Let's do this. And uh, for the new listeners, this is what we do. We're going to give some of our core plays at every position for the main Mm -hmm. slate. And we'll follow up by a theory segment. Again, the theory here is how you, handle your week one whether you won or you lost and we'll also talk about kind of the the new scoring that we're going to be seeing here with the mm-hmm. flex added in FanDuel and if there's any changes over there in DraftKings as well but let's go week two plays let's get right back into it because there are two monster plays with monster salaries at the top of the board and running back um, you're going to have to find some value a lot it's going to be tougher to find value this week than plugging in James Conner at 5k Sure. You know, on, on a site, just putting them in there. So let's start at quarterback. I don't know if you if you want to go big value at quarterback this week, but there is a guy that got dominated, right? There's a guy that got dominated by the Patriots last week. And yeah, uh, let's talk about some tiers here, players and tiers at quarterback. Yeah, be, because of those um, high price running backs that we'll we'll talk about when we get to the running back section. Uh, a, a lot of it's going to be really hard to pay up at other positions. Uh, it's th- there is some value this week, but really I think people are going to be looking to pay up for one or two running backs. And uh, depending on how you want to manage that, you're really going to have to to either find value or just completely punt other positions. Uh, it's all about raising your floor. And yeah, the guy that you're talking about Deshaun Watson last week, he was a popular cash game play. Uh, I'm not a fan of of the victory lap here, but it was a guy that I was nervous about last week for the simple fact that we found out that Will Fuller was questionable. He ended up being out. And then we know Bill Belichick is, is great at taking away a team's primary receiver, even if it's a dominant guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And that came to fruition. Uh, Nuke had 11 targets, but I think he only ended up with like 10 uh, fantasy points or something like that. It was really low. Uh, and because of all those factors, I was just worried about Deshaun Watson's upside. He still gave us that rushing floor that we expect. He got the 40 yards on the ground. The rest just didn't come together. But uh, while I was I was a little cautious last week, I'm more bullish on him this week uh, against Tennessee. His price dropped a little bit on both sides. He's now $6,300 on DraftKings, 7400 on FanDuel. I believe he was above 8K on FanDuel last week. So that that takes the sting off a little bit if you want to go back to that well. And the Titans just don't have the coaching or the personnel to take a guy away like DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm not as concerned about that as I am, even though Will Fuller probably isn't going to be there again. I think Deshaun Watson 
Washington has a game uh, under his belt after coming off the injury. I think Hopkins has have a really big game against his secondary that obviously correlates a lot with Watson's success. And we saw it with Tennessee last week. It was a weird game because of weather and uh, on and off pauses with the with the weather delays, but. After Devontae Parker went out, Kenny Stills was the only deep threat left on that team. Amendola and Albert Wilson are just short uh, average depth of target guys, and Stills had a big game. He went for 106 and two. Uh, a lot of that had to do with going up against Adoree Jackson. Uh, but again, I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to take advantage of that, and I think Watson has a really big bounce back, and I'm, I'm fine with him as a cash play. He's actually our top value on both sides at the quarterback position. Wow. All right. So how cheap do you want to go on DraftKings is the question. How cheap? Can you go yeah. all the way down to Bortles against the Pats? You can go. So the, I want to talk about Bortles because he frees up some salary on both sites. The reason the one of the questions you got to ask yourself is how cheap do you want to go on DraftKings is because on FanDuel, you you could kind of fit in like a Watson expensive running backs and maybe even a semi-expensive receiver or tight end on, on DraftKings. Uh, it's pretty tough to do that unless you go all the way down to like a like a Bortles or maybe a a Sam Darnold. But Bortles shows up as a as a really good value at a lower price point across both sites. Fifty four hundred on DraftKings, sixty five hundred dollars on FanDuel. And again, this is a situation where uh, a player that that we talked up last week that I think a, a fair amount of people in the industry were talking up and uh, didn't have the game that we were hoping for. He was a, a enough of a salary saver that a lot of people still did well with him in cash. And and again, that's uh, an aspect that's often overlooked. Bortles again here, fifty five hundred on DraftKings. Even if he doesn't put up a big number, one of the the big things you're getting from him is you're opening up enough salary to raise your overall floor of the lineup. So yeah, yeah, maybe you're you might not have the highest floor quarterback, but that could ultimately lead to the highest floor lineup. And I actually think that Jacksonville is in a, a better situation against this New England secondary than Houston is. Uh Bortles is not going to be relying on a DeAndre Hopkins type because Jacksonville doesn't have a DeAndre Hopkins type. And that means that Bill Belichick isn't going to have this alpha receiver to zero in on. The offense is spread out a little bit more. New England still is a, a team that we had ranked last uh, in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. So despite their success last week, it's still a secondary that's vulnerable. I think Jacksonville is going to have a, a better chance of exploiting that Eric Rowe matchup with a lot of help over the top with DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Will Fuller being out. The Texans weren't able to exploit that. I, I think Jacksonville can move things around a little bit and exploit that more. So I, I'm I'm a little more confident in Blake Bortles uh, compared to his his situation last week. Uh, but he was a play we talked up last week. So I'm I'm going back to the well. You know, a couple of the guys a little bit higher priced, and mm-hmm. you go from Bortles on DK at five point four K. You go up to Tyrod Taylor, yeah. and he's probably going to be chalky this week at fifty nine hundred, yeah. and then Alex Smith at six thousand. Mm-hmm. Are you looking at these two guys as uh, some pretty heavy exposure, at, l- at least from the crowd? I think you know ownership for Alex Smith and and Tyrod Taylor, given the situations that they're in. I'm not saying Alex Smith is in a in a smash spot or Tyrod Taylor's in a smash spot, but yeah. I mean, at least in cash games, those two have to really stand out far than anybody else. 
Yeah, Tyrod, uh, especially on on FanDuel because the that sixty six hundred on FanDuel relative to the other quarterbacks is really cheap. His uh, fifty nine hundred on DraftKings, he's right in there with with Garoppolo, Mahomes, uh, more expensive than Bortles, way more expensive than Darnold. So Tyrod shoots up in value a little bit for me on FanDuel just because of where he's priced relative to the other passers. His ownership's definitely going to be inflated because of what we saw. Fitzpatrick do to the Saints uh, last week. I actually think given how Cleveland played last week, Tyrod, they, they didn't have high volume because that game was a mess, but Tyrod threw deep at a pretty high rate, something we've seen him do successfully. And they actually, uh, they, they let Jarvis run quite a few deep routes, which we didn't think they would actually do. I thought it was maybe lip service, Jarvis playing on the outside, but Tyrod's going to run it. I think, I don't know if I don't think New Orleans is going to get the problems they had last week. I don't think that's going to be fixed this week against uh, the Browns. And then Alex Smith was just super efficient last week. He was uh, top top five in adjusted yards per attempt, and that's right where he left off last year. He was really a, a efficient passer, and his volume wasn't crazy, so he was a top twelve quarterback. But it didn't pop to where it's going to drive his ownership way up. But he's a really good value this week, and. If you need to save a couple hundred from Watson for I mean, sometimes you just need that extra $300 maybe to get to that Todd Gurley. I'm fine with dropping down to Alex Smith. Mm, I mean, I, the Washington offense is a pretty interesting one to look at this Man. week too. And the Cleveland offense. I mean, these are two offenses that you, you know, you're going into it saying, ah, I'm not, we're not feeling great about starting either. Well, maybe that'll give you a little edge if they're lower owned um, this week, but uh, as far as quarterback, anything else you want to wrap up with there? Are we ready to go on to running back? Yeah, it's going to be the same with all the all the other positions. It's just every, all the decision points are going to tie around how you want to manage these expensive backs. All right, so then let's go on to running back here. Sure. You got David Johnson limited with a back injury. So mm-hmm. uh, doesn't doesn't rule him out at all, but it's something to keep an eye on. Burkhead all of a sudden popped up with a concussion. Oof. Devontae Freeman has a knee. Fournette's hamstring. Uh all these are in question as we sit here and we tape on Wednesday into Thursday. We're maybe looking at some game time decisions. So get ready for that. You really Ooh. didn't have many game time decisions week one. It's about it's about happen here. So eleven thirty when those actives and actives come up, you'll have some some later games as well. Get ready. But let's begin with um, those situations and Fournette, Freeman, Burkhead because it could end up opening up some salary relief if you wanted to go with a lower price running back, not named Gurley, Kamara, and maybe Connor, or in my case, I am all over Adrian Peterson this week, but it could open up a spot or two for some, uh, some other names on those teams. Yeah. I'm not going to get into uh, why Gurley and um, I wrote down bell because I'm so used to writing down Le'Veon bell, but why Gurley and, and Alvin Kamara are great plays. Uh, I think people just need to know that the decision point for a lot of people is probably going to be, do I play Gurley or Kamara when really uh, I think the decision point should be, should I play both of them or not? And that's going to come down to finding these punts, especially at, at running, maybe at running back, because we'll get into it in a minute with my, with, with my uh, other running back value. But we just don't have a lot of cheap running backs this week. Uh, we have uh, Peyton Barber's $4,000 on DraftKings, and he saw a lot of, uh, of the backfield work. Uh, and he's only 
he's cheap, but he's in a pretty tough spot against Philadelphia as, as an underdog and, and game script led to his 19 carries last week. So really we're looking for Fournette, Freeman, Burkett. If any of those guys are out, all of a sudden Yeldon, Coleman, or James White automatically become core plays. All right, just just so everybody knows, there was a report that came out from the worldwide leader saying that one of their reporters expects Fournette to play. But again, mm-hmm. this is this is a hamstring injury. We don't know, um, but you know, keep an eye on that situation with Fournette as well because TJ Yeldon looked good last week, and I listened to all these press conferences for the Fantasy First podcast, and I would listen to Doug Maroney. Just he loves TJ Yeldon. We all thought it was going to be Corey Grant, right? Well, TJ Yeldon's a guy that they have faith in. Not that he looked good in the second half. He averaged like two and a half yards per carry mm-hmm. in the second half last week, but he did get some volume, and that's another name to at least keep in mind. Absolutely. So let's get into the the, the values. James Conner, I get questions, but what do you think about Conner? Is he guy just got to have to play just because of his salary? Do you think he can produce? Well, he produced, man. Not only he's produced, the numbers in Pittsburgh – Le'Veon Bell is a great running back. Let me just start with this. Anybody say, oh, he's just a system running back. But the system is great, too, and he has great backups. I think Scott Barrett had this one. 20, about 23 points per game since 2015. Bell, Le'Veon Bell has averaged 23 points per game in PPR. In the 16 games he's missed, his backup has scored 22 points per game. Yeah. So you are getting elite running back one production from James Conner. You're getting it. And Mike Tomlin said he loves getting the ball. He loves getting the ball. Expect James Conner to get more of the ball. And we know what Pittsburgh's going to do, whether it's James Conner or it's D'Angelo Williams or Le'Veon Bell. They're going to use one running back almost exclusively because Tomlin just likes to get that running back in the flow. He's going to use him in the passing game. He doesn't want to sub. He wants to use his studs and try to score as many points as possible with those studs. And we saw it last week with Connor. He account, he was the only running back that accounted for a hundred percent of team running back touches. He led the league in team touch share. Now that touch share is uh, it's, it's a little bit slanted because they were in some pretty sloppy weather. So the, the running back share was a little bit higher than even we would see with Le'Veon Bell, but still that 100% backfield touch share is what really pops there. They let him have all of the work. And even though his price was uh, raised on both sites, he's still only 6,700 on DraftKings, $7,000 on FanDuel. So you're getting Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara like touches still at a, a couple thousand dollar discount. And because of that, Connor comes in as a top two value on both sites on four for four. This week, Pittsburgh's favored by four at home against Kansas City, and we just saw Kansas City get torched. They won, but they got torched by uh, – they did win, right? Did I say that wrong? Um, but they got torched by running backs uh, against the Chargers. 293 total yards between Melvin Gordon and uh, Austin Eckler, and both went over 100 total yards. Two running backs going over 100 total yards against this uh, defense last week. Yep. So James Conner, lock him in. Um, Again, this is still a value. It's 6.7 on DK and 7K on FanDuel. That is an absolute value for what you're getting with James Conner. And then the other guy, the Titans backfield, the other defense, really their offense looks completely discombobulated. Mariota's back after the elbow Mm -hmm. injury. At least he's practicing. But man, uh, between Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, it wasn't even close. Derrick Henry had a long touchdown run called back, but Deion Lewis just outplayed him in every single facet. Deion Lewis is a stud. 
Deion Lewis is a stud, and, and because of that, he saw uh, 21 touches last week, 67% of the backfield work, so basically a, a two, two-thirds split. Those are workhorse numbers. Like they Even outside of, of – or not even Kamara, I'm sorry, outside of Le'Veon Bell and, and uh, Todd Gurley last year, no one is really over 75% uh, running back touch share. So anything over two-thirds is huge. Uh, eight targets last week, five of his touches were catches. So – that is the valuable role, especially on DraftKings. And curious enough, DraftKings is where Lewis is actually priced down a little bit. He's affordable on both sites. It's five thousand dollars, five thousand on DraftKings, sixty five hundred on FanDuel. But uh, priced as the RB twenty two, I believe, on DraftKings. Houston is a team that they're really good versus running backs, but they're really good versus traditional running backs. So even if you want to argue a little bit of a game flow situation, I think the the splits in the first quarter between Lewis and Derrick Henry were a little bit closer. And, and after, uh, after the Titans fell behind, Lewis got a, a little bit more share. But this Houston defense is one that you're not just going to go up and, and run it down the middle against. And Lewis is a, is a good runner, but he's obviously a great pass catcher, especially compared to Henry. And we saw the Patriots backs combined for 10 catches against uh, Houston last week. You, you can argue that's a little inflated because the Patriots were, were down uh, pass catchers wide receiver, but then you could also turn the, that around and say, well, shouldn't the uh, Texans have been able to, to go after their running backs and see that coming? Obviously they didn't. They targeted James White a bunch last week against this defense. And, and that sets up really well uh, for Lewis really is the only reliable cheap guy on either site right now. Again, those, those names we mentioned up top Fournette, Freeman and Burkhead, uh, that's going to open some things up a little bit, but as it stands right now, he's the lone uh, guy priced below like seven thousand on Fanduel or six thousand on on DraftKings that you can you you trust his floor in cash games. All right, so I want you to do a little do a little homework on Adrian Peterson. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. All right, twenty six carries last week. Yep, he had another couple catches. And all Jay Gruden talks about is wanting to give this guy the ball basically until he runs him into the ground because Jay Gruden is a horrible, horrible offensive play, play caller. Basically <laughs> just run him up the middle two times and then, you know, give it to Chris Thompson through the air. So Peterson's sitting there at 6,700. Yeah. You got Deion Lewis at 6.5, Peterson at 6.7. Thoughts on throwing him, maybe not in cash, but in a GPP. I'm – one thing I'm, I'm looking at with my running backs and, and especially after the first week of the season is the touch share. And Adrian Peterson saw uh, two thirds of the running back touches. His concern is always going to be game script. And he had 70 yards receiving, but it was only three targets, two receptions. Uh, he's, he's not going to be a guy that goes in there and catches a bunch of balls. That, that 70 yards is an anomaly. Chris Thompson's going to be the guy that sees the work in the passing game. We saw Chris Thompson catch, uh, I think he had 65 yards receiving, scored a touchdown uh-huh. through the air in the red zone. Uh, but we don't have that concern this week with Peterson. Uh, the, Washington is a home favorite uh, against a defense that I, I think you can attack pretty much any way you want. Um, and uh, his, he's going to see that two-thirds touch share again as a home favorite. So I'm fine with him as a play, uh, probably just a tournament play, because I don't think uh, you you need to risk having someone like Peterson that doesn't catch balls in your cash game lineup, although I do think this week his floor is pretty safe. Yep, at least on FanDuel. I mean, right, I'm thinking right. 
in DK's, it's definitely Deion Lewis with the pass catching ability. But yeah, I mean, two catches, 70 yards for Adrian Peterson. If he gets two and 20, he'll be happy with that coming up this week as well. Absolutely. All right, just want to bounce Peterson off you here. Let's uh, move on to wide receivers. So again, it comes down to what you're doing mm-hmm. at running back. Are you getting Kamara and Gurley in your lineups or are you not getting Kamara and Gurley in your lineups? You're just getting one of them. Or maybe you're going to go without either one of them and and really throw a, a little wrench into things. So let's start with FanDuel because there's a little bit more wiggle room there because you can get the big two running backs and possibly even squeeze Antonio Brown in there as well. If you're playing cash games, do not fade Gurley and Kamara. Please don't do that. Um, but... <laughs> I was talking about GVP, but <laughs> yeah, GVP, that's fine. If you do it, if you do it, make sure you tell them that you follow a different site. Okay. <laughs> uh, do not say anything about four for four. If you do not play those two running backs this week. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty much impossible to get to an expensive wide receiver on DraftKings If you're, if you're going to roster the uh, big two running backs in, in any fashion. FanDuel, it's it's manageable, but uh, the rest of the team, you're you're really going to be punting. But if you are going to be paying up at wide receiver, uh, the move here is just to go all the way up to Antonio Brown. He's uh, he's the most expensive amongst the big four. And when I say the big four, I'm talking about uh, Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomas, who I think all have very safe floors this week. They're they're all cash viable if for whatever reason you you need that specific salary. I'm fine playing any of them, but Brown comes in as our top value on both sites at wide receiver. We saw him get uh, nine targets, turned it into 90 yards and a score, and a, a really sloppy game, a game that I was worried about his floor and, and the passing game did really struggle and he had a nice game, not a, a monster game, but this week uh, looks like the weather conditions are going to be fine in Pittsburgh against that Kansas city defense that we just talked about. So uh, I'm, I'm expecting that some of those touches that we saw uh, yield a 63% team touch share to James Conner. That goes back to the passing game a little bit because with these good weather conditions, I expect that passing volume to go up. And Brown has a great matchup against this defense that's just a, a sieve in every sense of the word. Uh, in addition to those almost 300 yards that they gave up to uh, Chargers running backs last week, the Chiefs also allowed about 200 yards receiving just to the receiver. So uh, we, we saw that game combined for 66 points, the the Chargers and the Chiefs last week. And if it wasn't for that Saints game, that's the blow, uh, the blow up game we'd be talking about and thinking that Pittsburgh has a chance to, to do the same thing in terms of a shootout. And I think that's exactly what happens this week. All right. So let's get into the other guy that at least we'll give away mm-hmm. here without the DFS uh, sub here on four for four.com. Yeah. And, that would be the Jets wide receiver, not named Robbie Anderson. I mean, Quincy Nunwa, forgotten man, because after having a little breakout at the end of 16, missed last year, now he's back. I mean, I'm still in on, on Anderson, but maybe this week I've got to be a little bit more in on Quincy Nunwa. What do you think about him? Yeah, well, let's talk about just that Jets offense in general a little bit. Uh, they their passing volume was down because they were in great game script against a, a Detroit team that uh, did not show up at all. There's rumors of of the 
Jets secondary, knowing Matthew Stafford's calls and signals, which led to a bunch of picks and and got that game really out of control. But uh, the the positive that we did see uh, on that short amount of passing volume from the Jets was that Sam Darnold was very efficient. He had a adjusted yards per attempt above nine. Uh, but if we're going to talk about uh, Robbie Anderson, he was on the field for under 60% of the snaps. And um, on those snaps, he only ran routes on 46% of them. So in addition to Quincy Anunua getting that huge target share, he was really the guy, even in that uh, in in that negative game script, that was leading the team. Just in terms of, he was leading in snaps, leading in targets, leading in routes run. So it was everything. It, it didn't look like a fluke. It looked like a scheme to have Anunua uh, lead that team in targets. Obviously, the the forty eight percent target share that he saw last week isn't sustainable. The, the maximum we ever see from any receivers is right around thirty percent. But I think he can duplicate those double digit targets just because I don't expect the jets to be in as great of a game script as we saw last week. So uh, we've talked about looking for spots to punt, to get to some of those higher price guys at the other positions. Anuna's $4,700 on DraftKings, $5,000 on FanDuel in cash games. I think you have to hit the lock button on him. So let's move on to tight end real quick. Mm -hmm. Last week I saw in cash games, Mm -hmm. it it was so open that you could squeeze in a Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara, a big time wide receiver, and Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. And I saw a lot of cash game lineups with and I did not have any Gronk in cash and they're cashing. So mm-hmm. it's it just not and very rarely are you and I going to have Gronkowski in cash games. But is there any reason to even look at him in cash this week when there are some cheaper priced options on the board so you can squeeze in the two big running backs? I don't think it's the high floor move this week. The reason uh, last week that we did it was for the reasons that you expressed. You you were just able to to fit Gronk in without losing any any of that uh, range of outcomes within your lineup. And this week, it's just he's he's priced up high, uh, like we're expected. He shows up as a good value on four for four's value reports. He's going to show up as a good value anywhere you look. He, he's going to have a very high opportunity to hit his cash number, but he makes it really hard to get to some of these uh, other high floor plays at, at more reliable positions. And giving that away for a tight end is just not a, a theory that I subscribe to. And I don't think it's something that you have to do in a week where uh, he might see some cornerback coverage. Uh, I, I think that Jalen Ramsey's probably going to want him some Gronk this week. Hmm. I'm looking forward to that more than Odell Beckham Jr., who, by the way, uh, last week, not a bad week, not a smash spot, but definitely um, had a nice week. What was it? Seven catches, 75 yards against nah, Ramsey he went, alone. Oh, against Ramsey alone. Yeah. And then he went for, yeah, against Ramsey and then alone. He went for 11, 111 on, on 15 targets. I, I, I might be off by a couple yeah. yards of catches, but uh, yeah, that's, that's about nice week. That's about the quietest 100 yard uh, game against the, against the Jaguars that you'll ever hear. And uh, he and, and Ramsey, uh, Apparently they're boys because a lot of us were expecting some some trash talk, but it looked like they were brown out on the field a little bit. And I think they traded jerseys at the end. Dion was making fun of them on on uh, NFL after after the uh, game. It's a little disappointing to tell you the truth. I was hoping that, especially with all the trash that Jalen Ramsey talks. I mean, poor Josh Allen. You know oh, the kind of pressure that Josh Allen's up against this week, starting and now he has to. Uh, 
he has to live up to the or live down to what Jalen Ramsey said about him. So mean. yeah, that, so that, mean. I mean, this is kind of off topic, but it, it at at the very least it confirms what we thought. Like Jacksonville, they continue to not do great against good wide receiver or elite wide receivers. So it's probably a trend that's still going to go overlooked because Odell, he had a good game, but not great. Not enough to, to make people remember that. So keep that in mind when, when Deandre Hopkins comes up again this year, when they have another elite matchup, that's, that's shown five times in a row. Now it's shown himself that an elite wide receiver does well against Jaguars. Yeah. I don't mind going off topic when it comes to things like this. And plus uh, Tyreek Hill too is coming Ooh. up. It's the Jaguars that the chiefs coming up in October. So get ready for that. One. I was wrong about Tyreek. I'm, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Tyreek train. I was, I was you're back. You're on it now. I was, Finally. I was yelling Jeez. regression last year. I was going into this season yelling regression. Um, Tyreek's the dude. Can we just, can once in a while, can we just in this industry, just put the whole put, put he's going to, it's, it's going to be touchdown regression. There's just guys I, that out there that are so efficient that it doesn't matter. And him and Kamara, it doesn't matter. They're scoring touchdowns. They know how to do it. Even even those efficiency numbers, like I'm not going to jump off that train because they're like if you're looking at it in a single season. No, for these it, two guys, for these right, two guys, right? But the the regression argument is based around a sustainable number. So like Aaron Rodgers, if he throws a nine percent touchdown rate, he still needs to come back down to his six and a half percent. So they're they were so far like out of the stratosphere that it's not going to drop down to a uh I don't know an Amari Cooper number, but it's going to come back down to their personal average. So uh, that that's what I think gets lost a lot in the regression talk. But in terms of Tyreek Hill specifically, he got that big target share last week. And that's the key that's always been missing for me with Tyreek. He only saw 105 targets last year. All of a sudden, he's if he stays at 25% target share, it's game over. Well, Kelsey's going to get more involved in the offense, but Kelsey had, let's not forget. Kelsey had tw- over 25% target share. People didn't even notice that because Tyreek was so big. They can both see 25% of the targets, and if Tyreek's up there, it's it's game over. Don't forget Tyreek's um, impact in the special teams game as well because he did have a return, a punt return. So that can help you too. And you can parlay that in DFS, but I, don't, I mean, you double really got to be. That's the double dip. Yeah, but not with the chip, not with the Chiefs. Wait, right I, I wrote up Tyreek on FanDuel last week because he was a double dip tournament play. Oh, there you specifically, go. For Tyreek, specifically. He's terrific. He really is. He's a lot of fun to watch. All right. So let's get back on topic here. Yeah. Fantasy football season. We're into it. We partnered up with DraftKings to bring you our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you got to do is go to 4for4.com backslash DraftKings. You get full access to our most accurate rankings. The most accurate rankings out there. So go to 4for4.com backslash DraftKings. You get our lineup generator, optimal lineups, premium articles, all the other great features in our plan. All for five bucks, which you can then enter in the contest to potentially win more. So we're super excited to bring you this deal. If you want access right away, go to 444.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. So did I did I jump ahead too fast? No, nah, are we done with time? No, nah, we're good. We we we're good? we just uh, right. we we didn't we said we don't want Gronk. So let's talk about the guys that uh, we think are let's are worth it. rostering. And uh, the the guy that shows up on on both sites for me as a potential play is Jared Cook. Uh, his 
He's $3,600 on DraftKings, which that alone, given everything that we've talked about, just looking for value makes him a a viable play. And, And I'll go back to the example of Blake Bortles or Sam Darnold. Even if you're worried about Cook's floor, that cheap price tag makes him a viable play on DraftKings. And it's, it's akin to what, to Jack Doyle last week. He was a very popular play, but I had him in one of my main DraftKings lineups. And although he didn't put up a big number, that free salary allowed me to get to a lineup that had Connor and Gordon and Kamara and Thomas in it together. And now you're winning everything, right? So uh, you have to think about that when you're, when you're uh, playing DFS, these guys aren't plays in isolation, but Jared Cook, you can make an argument that he is because he's cheap. He's $5,000 on FanDuel. They're at Denver and Jared Cook saw 30% of the Raiders targets last week. That number's inflated because the Rams obviously have very good corners in Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters, which is going to filter the ball to the middle. But we saw the same thing with Denver last year. And Denver was very bad against tight ends last year. A lot of it was for a similar reason, but their safeties are still pretty poor in coverage against tight ends. And Oakland's going to be in a game script where they're forced to pass. Even if you think that Oakland can go outside on their new corners, Chris Harris is the Broncos' best corner, but he's a slot guy. Uh, we saw Will Disley go for 105-1 and one on five targets against this team last week. So Jared Cook's a, a, a relatively safe play, I think. All right, so uh, let's move on to week one, the process. How are you doing this week? If you won, good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hope you're, I hope you're still really happy and it doesn't affect your process and you don't get too cocky. And if you lost, I hope you didn't use your whole bankroll <laughs> because that was just silly. But I also hope that you're still alive and everything's going well. You'll be fine and you get back into it this week because it's a, it's a grind. 17 weeks plus if you don't play i don't know what you're doing if you're not playing the nfl postseason especially with the write-ups we got here at four for four that's that's a complete blast that's all tournament all the time but anyways with uh week two coming up you got to put week one Mm -hmm. in the rear view mirror if you won or you lost with that being said right how are we handling this either way because it, it Week one really seems to set a tone for a lot of people, yeah. and you just have to try and treat it like week 10, 11, or 12. So before we get into the actual theory, I want to highlight something you said, and, and did you win or lose, and talk about just the nuts and bolts of reacting to week one, because we probably have uh, a lot of new listeners. There's probably a lot of new players at the beginning of football season, and Probably a lot of people that haven't played DFS since last football season. And one thing people get wrong is that they might do all the really tough work to get a bankroll strategy in place. And they got their starting bankroll. They know what their bankroll is for the whole season. They go into week one, they say, I'm playing $1,000 per week. And then they have a big win or a big loss. And then they go into week two and play $1,000 per week. That's the wrong formula. You should be looking at it as a percentage of your bankroll. So if you doubled your bankroll and you were playing 10% of your bankroll, uh, instead of playing $1,000 this week, you should be playing, uh, I don't know, you, you doubled your win, so now you should be playing $1,200, uh, 10%. So just make sure you're, you're paying attention to the percentage of your bankroll and play, not the total number. Now that we got that out of the way, 
what we want to avoid is a cognitive bias called the anchoring effect. And it's so prevalent in NFL because we wait so long to see what's going to happen. We do so much off-season work across the industry. And it's in such a big spotlight that what happens in week one sticks in our minds so much, whether it be uh, a player or a team or a DFS lineup or a winning strategy. And that anchoring effect is just the cognitive bias that takes that initial piece of information and drives our decisions for um, either the the short term or a very long term. We need to be very cognizant of that and not let week one results blow up our player process or our team process or our lineup building process, whatever it might be. And week two too, yeah. and week three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it re- DFS. You got to be mentally strong and able to stay in order to stay in the game. You really do have to because the best players in the world go through funks. And, you know, if you're good enough and if you are, if you're doing everything right at some point in time, it's going to break and it's going to break your way. You're not going to want to hear this, but if you had a tough week one, stick with it. You're going to be all right. If you had a great week one, congrats. Listen to TJ. Don't take all your winnings and, just double it down this week. Be smart. Be smart. Yeah, you, you. and you said you don't want to pay attention just to week two or to week three. We've done some sample size work at 4 for 4. Uh, I've seen some other really smart dudes across the industry do some sample size work uh, that tells us when fantasy points or targets or volume or whatever it is normalizes. And it varies a little bit by position, but uh, overall football, overall fantasy scoring across all positions – the six-week period is right around when we start to see normalization for whether it be fantasy points per game or targets per game, but we only have 17 weeks. Uh, so the challenge in DFS is wrapping up that information, processing it as quick as possible, and trying to figure out what information in that sample size matters. So in the first three to four weeks, I'm going to start relying pretty heavily on things like targets per game, target share, uh, fantasy points allowed to defenses, uh, which is why at the four-week mark is when we start adjusting schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. I'm at least going to start paying way more attention to those and and thinking that that they are real. Uh, But in the short term, there are some things that we can can pay attention to and, and glean some information, even though we only have a week of data. All right, so... With all that being said, um, what does and doesn't matter? What are we looking for? All right, so you're looking for for volume, obviously, yes. the targets, the, the target right. share. What matters? And on and on and on. Well, here's what doesn't matter, and it's fantasy points. And that sounds funny because we're in the business of of finding fantasy points and scoring the most fantasy points. But I'm just talking about it in terms of a week one sample size. One of the the biggest mistakes that novice players make is they look at the player that scored the most points and think that's the best player. But what we need to do is look to see how those fantasy points are scored. And we're looking for, for volume. And if volume created those fantasy points, then that's something you can go back to. An example is uh, James Conner. We saw him get a ton of volume. We knew his role, but we haven't seen him play before, but we saw him get all of the backfield work. That's very reliable. Kenny Stills had two touchdowns and 100 yards on only five targets. That's not a reliable number. So that's the first 
thing that I'm looking at. How did all these players score their points? And then you can't even just take that for what it's worth. You have to take all those raw numbers and put them into context. So things like target share, backfield share, and relate that to their teammates. So go back to a, a Quincy Anunua. His 10 targets are way less than Julio Jones 19. Julio Jones 19 is going to drop. Quincy Anunua isn't going to maintain a 48% target share, but he was the dog in that offense. And he was being targeted at a very high rate on the field more than anybody. So now I understand at least for this week, I'm taking that piece of information and using him as an anchor because he was a big part of his offense's game plan. And I know that because of target shares, because of touch shares, because of backfield shares. Those are the numbers that are really going to tell you a lot of the story early in the year. All right. And it's not, and listen, winning at DFS isn't about just throwing a lineup in or a whole bunch of lineups in and then doing the research on the players and doing it yeah. again next week, it does help to go back and sort through what you did, um, yeah. what games that you played, how you built your rosters. It is a process. I mean, if you just want to, if you want to win a week here and there and just try and tread water and keep enough money in there and maybe get lucky on a tournament, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But in order to stay in it for the long haul, you're going to have to do a little extra stuff. And that's going back and looking at how you did the week before. Yeah. And not just looking at how you did, but looking at how and what other people did. Uh, we're doing a new series on 4 for 4 this week called TJ's Take, and it's where I, I go through review winning lineups, but also give uh, my take on on either what to expect going forward or just some my general thoughts about DFS, and this is exactly what I got into. Uh, the first thing that, that I think you could do, and we tend to get very overexcited in week one, is did you stick to your your game selection? Did you stick to your predetermined game mix? And now that you're out of the uh, the the craziness of seeing all those contests, seeing those big prizes, did you actually end up playing eighty percent cash and twenty percent GPP, or did you have a lineup you liked, or have exposure, or not have exposure to players that you wanted? Ended up firing off a couple more bullets. Maybe you played $200 more than you expected because you wanted some exposure to Odell and didn't have him in cash. Uh, if you did that, why go, go back and take a look at that game mix and see if it ended up where you, uh, where you wanted it. And, and also just looking at the process of being a DFS player. Uh, how did you react to late news and how did you manage your player shares? Uh, one thing that, that broke pretty late in the week in week one was, uh, Bruce Ellington playing instead of um, Will Fuller. I'm sorry. And Fuller, yeah, yeah, and and Ellington, he saved himself with a touchdown. He didn't end up uh, having a big game, but he did hit value because of, of a touchdown. And that looks a little bit lucky. But if you, you look at how you reacted to that, uh, within the week that he was almost a perfect price pivot off of Keelan Cole, who was one of the most popular plays in the week who ended up having a pretty down week. So even if you only put Ellington and say 30% of your lineups that saved you some money because you were, you were paying attention late. And, and on the flip side, uh, there was really late breaking news. I think you might've tweeted it out Kush that, uh, that Camara was expected to share work. Uh, it, w- it was a really, really late tweet, like 10 minutes before lock. You obviously don't have time to, to go blow up all your lineups and everything that we had researched, uh, goes, goes anti tinker, like Kamara's in a great spot. You're not going to blow it up. But I had a lot of shares across a lot of slates. And in just one lineup, one slate, it was it was a very small percentage of, of my shares. Uh, I switched to David Johnson. Obviously, 
Camaro went off. But if if I had that piece of information and I did nothing with it, even if it's only 15% of my money, I'm going to look back and say, I didn't do a good job uh, in my process. And uh, the Saints had a, a fumble by their other running back and Camara was in a blow spot. I mean, you, you weren't getting off of him, but if he didn't do what he did and you didn't react to that, you're kind of going to be questioning yourself. So don't only look at the wins, look at the losses. That was not me that tweeted that out, by the way. I just okay. want you to know. Or a retweet. I know it was I you. About, Some, someone retweeted. Yeah. A, I think it was a Jay Glazer tweet. The only, yeah, I don't, even, I don't even know if I follow him, but I will okay. say the things that I was tweeting about was Chris Carson leaping over Broncos defenders, Cam Meredith <laughs> not playing once again, Will Ooh. Fuller's hamstring bothering him, and Serena Williams going ballistic on a ref. So <laughs> yeah. those <are> the only, <laughs> that was that was it. It's the only things that I did. So, um, anyways. This is all good stuff. This is what you want to apply here to week two. So um, the the last the scoring expectations. Let's get into the scoring expectations now. So again, it, what was it? Three hundred and something. One year, a million dollars. Yeah. Three was it? Three hundred. Have you ever seen a three hundred score? I I I don't I remember. Want to it. Say that there might have been. A, it definitely wasn't last year. There might have been a week two years ago, but. That's another thing that you have to take into account. I mean, if if you haven't played DFS before and all of a sudden that you see that the person that won the Millie put up 301, you might be really discouraged from playing DFS and thinking this game is impossible. I, I, I faded Camara in GPPs because uh, I had some leverage plays with David Johnson. I only put up, I don't know, 205 and I thought that was a good score and it didn't even cash and, on DraftKings. Look at it in context. Do your research. Last year, the, the average uh, Millie winner was 227 DraftKings points. The reason we saw such a big number this week was, one, because salaries were loose, and two, because all of those expensive players that you can get to because of the salaries went bonkers. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, uh, James Conner, Gordon, they all went nuts. That's not going to happen every week. In fact, probably going to happen... Uh, way less than you would expect you are a good dfs players hit rates about 60 percent. so probably over the long run or the chalk lineups are going to be close to that as well last week it was almost 100 percent of the chalk hit very rare don't expect that and and don't get discouraged by those results and and to a a similar uh note just because the way those people won like don't try to emulate exactly what they did the thing to do is to look at these winning lineups and say, do I even have that strategy in my arsenal? So on DraftKings, the guy that won, he went with what I call and what a lot of people call the onslaught. It's it's a game stack on steroids. He had Ryan Fitzpatrick, two Fitzpatrick receivers, Kamara and Thomas, five players from one game in a full slate. That's something you rarely see work in a big full slate GPP because theoretically, it, it limits your upside. Like if it's, it's going to be really hard to get a, a two touchdown game from all of your spots. If they're in the same game, you're often better off maybe going with, instead of going with a, a fifth player from that game, going with a uh, number one wide receiver from a game that isn't in your game stack, but this time it worked. So 
it's probably not going to work next week, but look at that and say, did I even know that was something you can do and put that in your hip pocket for when you think that might be a good situation. And that goes for the same for, for lineup building, whether it be paying up at running back uh, for, for the way you construct your lineups in terms of stacking for what position you put at flex. You don't have to implement all these lessons right away from the people that won, but know that those are viable strategies and put it into into your arsenal and deploy them when you see fit, not just in week two. Anything you'd like to add before we get out of here? Uh, don't fade Camara uh, and Gurley in cash games. Don't do it. Make sure you find really bad for both of them on FanDuel. At least one. Of them. You have to play one of them. I think you got to have both of them. To tell you the truth, because um, there's just hey. so much value. We already talked about a couple of those guys already. Yeah, absolutely. The, the interesting thing would be if you're just playing a one o'clock slate. If you're just playing like a fifty-fifty or a double up or a head-to-head one o'clock slate, because then you don't have that option. Right. That's an interesting way to build a lineup too. But that's for that's for another day or for us to talk about off here. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. The one o'clock slate's looking pretty interesting too. So anyways, thank you very much uh, for listening to this program. That does mean a lot to both of us. And we do have the DFS MVP promo, 25% off of our DFS subscription package, which I was a subscriber to before I started working with these guys. And it is the best that there is to offer. So I highly recommend it. If you've been listening and you haven't had a chance to sign up yet, just go and do it. And by the way, you guys... I mean, you crushed last week. It's as simple as that. So that's terrific. And if you have anything nice to say, TJ, tell them what to do if they got things nice to say about this show. If you like what you hear, go on iTunes, rate and review, give us a five-star review, uh, and we'll throw you in uh, the mix to win a nice, soft, comfy, stylish T-shirt. And uh, if you don't like what you hear, sign up anyway. Maybe you'll like what you read. Uh, we're updating all of the, the data on four for four, whether it be ownership, uh, leverage scores or our write-ups that's getting updated as late as possible. I was, I was writing about, uh, Bruce Ellington Sunday morning while I was setting lineups. So I'm trying to get as much information to our subscribers as possible so we can help you guys profit. It's, it's going to be a really exciting year. It was really nice to get off to a good start. And, uh, while you're in iTunes, uh, rate rating and reviewing, don't forget to check out the four for four league sync app. Yeah, one more thing. So your new, your new, uh, what is it? Column is TJ's take, right? You just yeah. you look back, you see what my. This is my thing. Just uh, to summarize the show today, what TJ told you to do is do not roster Kamara or Gurley, and make sure <laughs> yeah, you start Josh is. Allen in every single one of your cash lineups. Josh Allen be the, up and down. That'll be the clip that makes it to uh, the four for four daily pod. <laughs> That's right. That'll be the one. My co-host from DFS MVP, TJ Hernandez, says, go with Josh Allen and fade Kamara. All right, that's enough. Don't do that. I was just kidding. You know that if you listen to this whole podcast, you're here now. Take care, TJ. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, good talking to you. See you uh, in week three. Make a